Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for the previews to start in a movie theater. Hey, you want anything? Popcorn? Soda? No, nothing. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. most satisfying feeling in the world when you have the best of build-ups for any particular event let alone an amazing formula one race and then it just tends to satisfy the hell out of you what a grand prix that was i'm still buzzing and in case you're wondering throughout the video why is this man still shouting why is he so pumped up it's just a race it's not me i can't handle it (laughs) welcome ladies and gentlemen to pitch the podium and the inside line formula one podcast I feel good. I feel good today. And I was confused about how to feel because it was just an amalgamation of so many different stories, so many different narratives coming into perspective. I think let's focus on the positives. Welcome to the Bahrain, not the Bahrain Grand Prix, the Sakir Grand Prix GP. See, I'm so excited. I can't even remember which race it was at the end. <laughs> but what a race it was. Uh, as always, your hosts, myself, Samuel Arora and Kunal Shah here with me. And Kunal, you know the fun part? In our Pitch the Podium Grand Prix prediction competition, not one person out of the very significant number of people that participate every single week, not one person got the top three correct. Can you blame them at all? I absolutely cannot blame them at all. Just the way I can't blame you for all the excitement and the emotion that you've been holding for the you know couple of minutes that we've started this episode. I can so... Uh, resonate that feeling. I can so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure all our listeners and viewers felt the same thing, uh, you know, through the whole race, especially the last 20 laps. And, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's just a non-Mercedes win is relished so much more in the sport of Formula One these days, Samuel. Exactly. I was having this thought late in the night about the nature of Formula One and where the sport is going. I thought, yeah, it perhaps does get a bit too boring with Mercedes winning all the time. But when they don't win, the value of that victory seems also bigger because you've scaled an even bigger opposition in this case. And what a story it is. Let's come to Racing Point and Sergio Perez very, very firstly. George Russell, we shall come to him and the disappointment later on. But come to think of it, Kunal, life just writes some brilliant stories. Uh, They've been together for such a long time. 2014, the first time Sergio Perez came to Force India. Bit of a rebound that after a rather failed McLaren move. And it went for so long with a couple of podiums here and there. There was a, there was a genuine feel that when no, none of the big teams performed, Checo Perez and Force India, then of course, turning into Racing Point, will always be there to capitalize. Then of course, all the crisis with the money came out. Sergio Perez sent the team into administration. They've been to everything. They've been through hell and beyond with this team and this relationship. And just as it's about to end, that's when they get their first victory. Both the team and the driver. My dad, who usually does not get very emotional for sport, he literally almost had tears in his eyes. It was such an amazing story, such a brilliant one. And it could be made worse for the fact that Checo could no longer be on the grid next year. I, I, I don't know. 
that's what sports make you feel sports makes you feel doesn't it just just so many emotions all together it is and you know the most surprising part is that we were we had two standout performers one was checo perez who you like said you know doesn't have a seat for next year yet the other one being george russell who at least has a seat <laughs> for next year it might be the slowest seat in in the grid in the sport but he still has has a seat for next year but checo perez's win was absolutely on merit you know some of the previous times when a, when when a mercedes uh, goof up has led to some other uh, surprise winner it's pretty much been that you know mercedes have sort of given the race away and hence it's happened we saw in monza this year of course very freak with lewis hamilton's pit lane penalty and then we also saw in in germany last year with mercedes having all their you know uh, issues with the pit stops with max verstappen still winning but Checo Perez yesterday actually when he said that my win was on merit and I could have held George Russell back I just think that he was the man of the moment and he probably would have held George Russell back as well and so I will come to think of it on lap 1 just 1/3 of the first lap in you know at turn 4 he was facing backwards he he was hit so hard by you know Charles Leclerc as we now know that uh, you know we all thought that's it the race is over the three most uh, probable drivers to score a podium you know verstappen leclerc and perez were wiped out in one corner but that racing point is not only built like a mercedes it's built like one of the battle tanks i would say okay so they they merged the blueprints of of you know the 2019 mercedes and some battle tank in the world for it to be so strong that he of course survived he came back into the pits at the, at the start of the race uh luckily he didn't lose too much time because there was a safety car period and then he just went from strength to strength overtaking people and putting them under pressure and then scoring his first ever formula 1 win after 10 years of his debut exactly who would have thought that after that big first lap accident that he would just get a sniff of this rather magical trade of euphoria that he's managed to find and what a win it was for Sergio Perez but even more so uh, before we get to George Russell let's remember the fact that racing point now have a 13 that's a double podium for them we expected them to be great in 2020 but this was this was just beyond our expectations a double podium which included a win so Racing Point out officially Grand Prix winners the, the, that team from Silverstone that we all know and that team from Silverstone that you've worked with Kunal so so closely I know I was busy sending congratulatory messages to all my former colleagues and I was like wow you know we've been through all the tough times and of course I'm not with them while they're having this you know fresh run of uh, positive uh, you know results and i said that's it this is what you know we were all working for all these years and hats off to you guys for pulling it off and you know lance stroll was really miffed you know after after the race despite you know scoring his second podium of the season despite a 13 finish because in all probability he actually had the pace to win as well he could have led a, a racing point 1 2 across the finish line had he not made two braking errors you know yeah. one that sort of uh, one of course you know was just outside of uh, after his first round of pit stops where Esteban Ocon overtook him and second was you know when Perez was chasing him down with that old spec power unit with the old spec chassis 
and Lance Stroll made that breaking error at turn four under pressure yeah. and relinquished the lead to Checo Perez. And then we all know how it panned out from there. Yeah, he also made that lockup just before restarting, which put a major flat spot on his tyres. Didn't quite help him out, but that's racing points sorted. Esteban Ocon, we shall chat about him after we come to the second biggest story. And as much as there's been a great outpour of happiness and joy with Sergio Perez's win that literally makes everyone go wild, there's been a great outpour of grief and a bit of sadness as well for George Russell because... While one person goes out and celebrates their first win in ages, not even the first win in ages, in fact, the first win ever in such a high level of competition, George Russell could have been that man. And the interesting narrative here, Kunal, is that not only has he not seen his perfect qualifying record being maintained, he lost that one by being outqualified by Valtteri Bottas, he does not get his first win, and he just gets one point. So he's literally not gained much, although he's moved from the slowest car on the grid from the fastest. It's just bizarre to think of what kind of a weekend it could have been for George Russell and what kind of a weekend it eventually did materialize into. And all of that just happened in the space of the last 20 laps. So the main question on everyone's lips, Kunal, I'm, I'm sure most of the people watching and listening do know the answer, but... Why? What, what just happened there with all the mishap and all the mess-ups that took place with Mercedes? And Valtteri Bottas eventually just ended up on the same target in which he came into the pits with. It was just... It, I remember Crofty, and I, usually I'm not really the biggest of fans of Crofty's style, but he was very on point yesterday. I loved his calls. He ended up saying that it's a well-oiled machine that has just stopped working for once. I think that's the perfect way to put it, isn't it? It is, uh, it is the perfect way to put it. And, you know, uh, everyone will question, like you and I were questioning just before the start of the video, did they really need to double stack? Okay. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, at, the, at the time, that was the right question to have asked. But in hindsight, you know, um, stopping was the right decision, as mm -hmm. we saw. It's uh, just that there was a radio error and, Samil, for all the technology that, you know, we have in Formula One, it was a radio error that probably exists in the world over the last 30, 40 years that cost Mercedes uh, the race win yesterday. And the error was very simple. George Russell pinged the team on the radio just at the same time when they were relaying a message to his pit crew. So oh. suddenly the pit crew hadn't heard the message because of that miscommunication. Oh. Uh, there was a tire goof up that happened. So George Russell ended up with some tires of Valtteri Bottas's. And then when they pitted Bottas, they realized that, okay, we don't have the you know, right set of tires for Bottas. So they kept Bottas on the old hard tires, right? So they, they lost the lead. They, they lost one of their senior drivers with, with fresh tires. And then they had to bring their prodigal driver back into the pits for, for uh, you know, a pit stop so that they give him the correct tires. And then, unfortunately, George Russell had debris that cost him, uh, you know, a, a slow right rear puncture, if I remember. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. that needed him to pit again. And all of this because Jack Aitken, you know, binned or almost binned George Russell's Williams car, you know, on the 60th lap of the 87-lap race in Sakhir. The narratives, they're just so many things flowing out. It's just like the perfect story where one thing is intertwined with the other one. And 
Who would have thought this would have happened? And Valtteri Bottas then lost positions like taking up a bag of feathers and throwing them from a top of building. They're not going to survive. Bottas just lost so many positions there. I don't even know what to say at this stage. I don't know that it was the radio error that cost him this win and Russell was gutted. Obviously, he was. I think at this stage, you need someone to put an arm around your shoulder and tell you that it's all right, son, that there are going to be more things, more results coming your way, especially when a career like him's has such a long way to go and you do expect such great things from him, but it's, it's hard to console anyone in a situation like this, isn't it? When you see your first win, just go away through no fault of your own. He was perfect. But by many means, the driver of the day, but you can't dispute that between him and Sergio Perez. But he will come stronger. If there's one thing we know, he will come stronger. But that's just the thing, right? Mercedes, just that rare mistake. It's almost as rare as Leicester City winning the title in 2016. But some days, the world of sports just goes bonkers. That's what happened yesterday. But what was even more bonkers, Kunal, honestly, was... Uh, Esteban Ocon got his first podium. It was completely under the radar, this. Amidst all the drama that we saw with the racing points, amidst the crashes that we saw, amidst Mercedes goofing up, nobody, until a long while later, realized that Esteban Ocon, who's been in the sport for a long while, finally got his first podium. And that just means that Renault now has three for the year. That's outrageous stuff. That's really good. It is it is outrageous to come to think of it. And, you know, Samuel, you and I were betting on Checo Perez in the yep. review video. We were betting on Renault coming quick as well. And that's actually happened. And to get it with Esteban Ocon, to go one step higher onto the podium than Daniel Ricciardo, uh, and to get his medium uh, podium, uh, you know, finish of, of his career, I think this is a great morale boost for Ocon as he mm. prepares to take on the Alonso Challenge at Renault next year. <laughs> And uh, it still keeps the battle for P3 a little wide open, you know, as we go to the last race in, in Abu Dhabi the coming weekend. But Ocon, again, brilliant uh, one-stop strategy. You know, he, he, he chose to not uh, pit during the early safety car period, which was fine because he was on the preferred medium tyre. Uh, you know, uh, he, 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 he made the medium and the hard tyre last really well. He was attacking when he needed to, and that's what he did with, uh, you know, Lance Stroll as well. When you know, just when they were in the, the first round of pit stops, so all in all, great for him, especially after all the criticism that you know exactly. he's he's been receiving from everyone uh, in in his comeback here. Because Daniel Ricciardo was up until now just that the driver who was shining a little brighter than Ocon at Renault. But this one result, you know, just being there at the time when you need to be and scoring a result, that's what it eventually is all about. Absolutely. It's, it's good to see Esteban Ocon. It was such, I mean, amidst so many heartwarming moments, it was just another one of those heartwarming moments when he just crossed the line. He was literally in tears, a moment that he's been waiting for all his life. And when you come to think of what his backstory has been like, not all the resources available to him, you've got to feel from him. What a, what a victory. I mean, it, may, it was not P1 from him, but it definitely, definitely would feel like a big, big win for Esteban Ocon right there. And it's another win for us as fans because the battle that we were speaking about, Kunal, for P3, it's just gone all that bit better. So with this 1-3, Racing Point have just pipped McLaren. They've got a 10-point gap right there for P3, which could swing either way, mind you. We've seen a lot of that happening this year. Racing Point on 194, McLaren on 184, and Renault with that podium have come up to 172 points. So, 
Renault are outsiders in this case. If they can outscore Racing Point, and if they do not get any points whatsoever, that is Racing Point, and then if Renault get 20-odd points, seems unlikely, only then they will get P number three. Let's consider that that's not going to happen. It's a straight fight between Racing Point and McLaren. Could be going anywhere whatsoever. More on the track and who it favours in the preview video. But let's come up to discussing the entire race canal because like Monza, we had a very popular result. But unlike Monza, we had a very good race following it up too. I think it was quite a fun one to watch on the whole. It was. And, you know, uh, I don't think any of the podium finishers would say they got there by fluke. Okay. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it, is, it is natural for, you know, uh, drivers to have issues during the race. It was just unfortunate that it was George Russell. Okay. Yeah. With the debris and, and the pit stops and so on. And like we said, you know, somebody tweeted to me saying it's, it's as though somebody told Mercedes that can you challenge your own selves to make the race <laughs> a little tougher for yourself, you know, and that's what ended up happening. But, uh, you know, thinking of Esteban Ocon, uh, I think it's also great for him because, you know, in this whole who will replace Valtteri Bottas at Mercedes conversation, everyone seems to have forgotten that Ocon also has a relationship exactly. with Mercedes. So on a weekend when Russell got his break, I'm sure Ocon would have also been wondering, hey, could that have been me? Just like, you know, Stoffel Van Doorn was hoping that it was himself. So Great stories, great narratives, especially for, you know, drivers who needed a good result. They ended up getting one. And, you know, as for George Russell, he's made a solid impression. He had the measure of Valtteri Bottas for pretty much all through, all through the race, starting from the, the opening lap and the start itself. It should have been his race. And, you know, like he mm. said, that the, the race was taken away from us twice. And that's yeah. absolutely true. And Sommel, very uh, understandably, it's brought back in this whole debate of, is it really the car or is it Lewis Hamilton? That's you know, that's, that's been getting all, all, the, all, all the, you know, good results and all the records that they're making. And to me, as Mercedes, they would like to keep saying, hey, it is a great driver, but let's remember it is also a great car because, you know, as a car manufacturer, they want to say that they have built the fastest cars on the grid that pretty much anyone can get in and be the class of the field because that's what their bragging rights are also going to be. Exactly. And what a machine it is, the Mercedes that they've built this year, just extraordinarily faster. If you want to get an idea about just how fast it is in comparison to what it was the last time out, 2019 Hungarian Grand Prix pole lap, 2020 Hungarian Grand Prix pole lap. Compare and just watch the way the 2020 car glides around. It's mind-blowing. But also there's another narrative going around, Canal, that maybe if Lewis Hamilton does not reach an agreement, unlikely, of course, he'll take lots of ifs and buts for that, Mercedes could get uh, just as a well-performing driver in that very car, who's shown that he can do a stellar job, even without having a hang of the car itself, for one-tenth of the salary. Do you think that sort of move makes sense for them? Because... Yes, as the years have gone on, Lewis Hamilton's prestige and his brand value and the way he's driven has just become better. But there is that certain point in terms of risk versus reward. And Mercedes are spending a lot of money on Lewis Hamilton. The thing is, they could get the same reward by spending a lot less. It's not that Hamilton is a bad driver by any means whatsoever. It's just that you could get, if not the same, but similar results for a far cheaper price. I think they'll do something like that in the present day and age, even more so with the driver's salary cap around the horizon. 
You know, I think we, I, I will quote Toto Wolf in what he said, you know, in his, his post-race uh, bite. He said that we are all sitting here saying George Russell should be in the seat instead of Lewis Hamilton because George Russell performed well. And he said that exactly. it could have totally been, it could have been totally the other way that had George Russell not performed well, would Lewis Hamilton call me and say, hey, now there's an even more premium to my price, <laughs> uh, you know, because you, you have a backup driver who's actually not good at all. So I don't think that, you know, these spikes in performance, especially a one-odd race like this that have happened, will necessarily cause any, any uh, movement in the Mercedes driver lineup, at least in 2021. But definitely for 2022, Mercedes will sit back and notice and wonder why do we not have a wonder kid in our car? You yeah. know, when, when Ferrari seems to have one, when Red Bull seem to have one, and hey, what's wrong if we have two wonder kids in the car come 2022? Wonder kid at Red Bull. He's been around for such a long time. Doesn't feel like he's a 23-year-old, does it, Max Verstappen? <laughs> he had a bit of a terrible race. Uh, I think that's the next point we shall come to, the opening lap and all that happened. Uh, Charles Leclerc had quite a good one, it seemed, and then all of a sudden it all derailed. Verstappen had to take evasive action and such was the nature of the evasive action that it didn't do any wonders at all. It just threw him in the wall and there it was. His race gone. What do you think of that opening lap, Kunal? And uh, what do you think about Max Verstappen and the way he lost the race? He was frustrated. He kicked the wall and now it just means that he's lost a chance to trump Valtteri Bottas who, believe it or not, is only just 11 points ahead of Max Verstappen even with all the DNFs that Verstappen has had this year. Yeah, well, you know, the, the opening lap, especially uh, Charles Leclerc's move was extremely, extremely puzzling, okay? Uh, uh, you know, that uh, he was a hero in qualifying by putting mm. his Ferrari in fourth place, but he definitely became a zero very instantly before the end of the first lap itself, okay? He got onto the inside. We saw that it was windy that brought on a lot of sand on the track. Yeah. So the inside definitely had lesser grip. Then, uh, then you know, one would have expected, and then he, of course, just break late, and then we all know what happened from there. As for Max Verstappen, he, of course, was lucky to not get you know entangled in 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 the racing point Ferrari mess that was there. But I think he was also caught out by you know lack of grip a little bit on the offline from that corner and during recovery because I don't think he's sort of lifted off as much. And he yeah. just thought that, you know, correcting his steering wheel would sort of give him, the, give him the grip to anyway continue through the race without losing positions. But, but it just so happened that, uh, you know, he, he just couldn't find any grip. And then there, that's, that's where he was in, in the wall. And, you know, uh, talking of Verstappen in the, in the driver's championship, extremely, extremely impressive given that, you know, he's, he's up against uh, two Mercedes drivers both of whom have literally the best uh, racing car that's there. And le let's remember, I think Verstappen also has, I think, six DNFs in 16 races or five yes. DNFs. Yeah. And yeah. despite that, he is just so close to, uh, you know, Valtteri Bottas. And whether or not he gets P2 is, is, you know, inconsequential. It's just yet another season where Verstappen has literally shown how, uh, how talented he is as a racing car driver and how he is able to take the fight to the Mercedes cars on such a con consistent basis. Yeah, I'm afraid it doesn't bode very well for Valtteri Bottas, that stat, does it? Uh, I think 
we should speak about that later on. It it really got my mind thinking for a second about all that's happening at Mercedes and how such a well-oiled organization, I beg your pardon, is having this, I wouldn't say one component who isn't doing well, but maybe just being hidden off by the nature of that car. Maybe you could see different results when you put someone else in that car. I mean, you never know, not to discourage or discredit what Bottas is doing, but you kind of get a feeling that they could be pushing themselves even beyond. And that's a frightening thought, mind you, with a team like Mercedes, isn't it? But let's come to the midfield. Lots of other incidences and lots of other things happening. Bottas finished in eighth. Gasly was in P6, which is quite a good one for him. And, you know, it was quite an interesting one for Pierre Gasly, wasn't it? Uh, not, not, sorry, Gasly wasn't in sixth. It was Kefiat in seventh. My, my apologies. Yes. Got confused for a second. Alpha Tauri, nevertheless, Kunal, in low down for circuits, they do come up and produce the goods. It's just the nature of the car. I and mean, we saw that in Monza. We've seen that here as well. It's something that really suits them. It does. And it was great to see Danny Kvyat, you know, pulling out the, the good result as he yeah. did. He was pretty racy in, in the start as well. He used all three tire compounds to sort of make up uh, for, for, you know, over the 87 laps that, that went on. But, you know, it's, it's, it's so heartening to see the midfield fighting uh, and, and making the race so unpredictable. Also, mm. the standout for me, Somil, was how there was a clear distinction between the, the, the drivers who were on a one stop and the drivers who were on a second stop. And if you ask me, Checo Perez actually got extremely lucky yeah. that he got hit and he could hence, you know, get rid of the soft tire uh, literally on the first lap of the race and then convert his race to a medium hard tire, which eventually were, were the better tires to, to be on. And, uh, you know, just dwelling on upon uh, other tire strategies, Lance Stroll, I mean, you know, he's, he's always not spoken about in the greatest of light. And I know exactly. we touched upon him. But he ran a soft, uh, medium uh, strategy and he ran the softs for 45 laps. And that's what Mario Isola said just before the race that, you know, cooler conditions, the soft is actually a better manageable tire in the race. And we will see drivers go a little longer. And he pulled out, I think, more than, you know, 12 or 13 laps than the next soft runner out there. Exactly. That's exactly what got them the 1-3 result. And quite a big one that was for Racing Point closes everything up in the midfield. And remember, Carlos Sainz was in P4 as well. So it's not just an easy leeway that they've got right there. I'm very excited to see how this goes. But what I'm even more excited, Kunal, is that this track has delivered in Formula 2 and Formula 1. Now, it's a very exciting thing to see two different layouts, one different circuit, for one circuit, I beg your pardon, in one season. Could we see Formula 1 coming back here next time on? It certainly seems to deliver, for sure, even outside of the, let's say, drama that wasn't quite related to the circuit, let's say all that happened with Mercedes and the strategy, it did seem to have some good racing going on. So I don't think it would be a bad idea to come here on the whole, once again, in this layout. I think you and I should start a petition along with all our folks at Pitch to Podium <laughs> to make sure that the Bahrain outer becomes the standard uh, layout for any race that's held in Bahrain. Because, exactly. you know, the, the, it's, it's pretty exciting a layout. We've spoken about it time and again. And, uh, you know, it pro produced a, a lot of exciting races. Uh, Formula 2, as we know, Jehan Daruwala won, uh, you know, yes. his first ever Formula 2 race. Fantastic racing uh, by him again against Dan Tictum. You know, he was trying to overtake him for 10 laps. 
and Tiktum, as we know, very hard uh, racer to get by, but Jehan still, you know, had his way and gets there. And, you know, it just opens up a lot of possibilities for him for 2021, uh, especially in the Red Bull uh, Junior program. And since we are talking of the Red Bull Junior program, uh, Somil, I'm sure Alexander Albin would be pissed with himself much as all of Red Bull would have been so because with the two Mercedeses out of podium contention, with Verstappen and Leclerc out of podium contention, the least that Red Bull would have expected him is to get a podium, if not a race win. But guess what? He was only down to sixth, I think. He was even yep. behind you know, McLaren and Ricardo and the like. So yep. not the best of races for all the Red Bull drivers, I would say. Not the best for the Red Bull drivers at all. And the pressure really was seemingly on Alex Albon, but from the way Sergio Perez spoke yesterday and said that he will be at peace for a while, it did seem like Alex Albon has got that seat. So I think he'll be somewhat fine, but definitely very, very unimpressed with the way that race went out. Still should be fun. And you saw the words of Mamad Kunal about Jihan Arwala, because when you mentioned about the outer layout being permanent, I just thought that hopefully... When Jehan's there in F2 next year, we don't have that infield layout because that's where Callum Mylot had that crash with Jehan and could have been two wins out of two. Who knows? Yeah. But still, very, very satisfying to see that in Formula 2 as well. Also, a quick word just before we go off as well. Uh, Mick Schumacher is now the Formula 2 champion. Long story that started off years and years ago. It's, it's finally coming to a close right now. In fact, it's a new chapter beginning, not a story coming to a close. So that should be fun. But a very lastly, Kunal, just before we go... Any other major points from the race? Any other thing that you really felt like, wow, this is, this is worth a word to speak about before we just say goodbye and wait for the next week to preview the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which I'm already can't, can't wait for that. I'm already losing count of my words. I'm speaking so much. I'm too excited for it. <laughs> yeah, I think we've, we've pretty much, uh, you know, uh, summed up the best moments of the race. You know, lots of ifs and buts. Uh, you know, and nuts and bolts, as George Russell has been saying, you know, in his pre-race interviews, I would say. Mm. Overall, it was, it, was, it was a fantastic race under the lights. You know, Checo Perez doing all the magic that we know what he's doing. George Russell shining. And, you know, at the end of it all, we will look back and remember this race for what it delivered to exactly. the sport of Formula One. And I think that's what is more important than anything else. And the only parting shot, if at all, could be of how Sebastian Vettel struggled all through the race. And yeah. in his post-race interview, he said that, I don't think the car and I will be friends anymore. So that just sums up how bad the race it was for Ferrari and for Sebastian Vettel. Well, good on you, Sebastian. You're not going to be with her for a very, very long time. It's just about a win. Just one more race. And who knows, we could see a rejuvenated Vettel after that in 2021. Lots of things to look out for, folks. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening on the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of this, Kunal. And if you like this, folks, you know what to do. Click the subscribe button. Click on the bell icon to know exactly when we post our, our pre-race preview video for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Do make sure to share this video with your fellow Formula 1 enthusiasts because there will be a lot more content on Pitch to Podium coming up. And if you haven't already, take part in the Grand Prix Prediction Competition. How you can do that, it's on our social profiles. All our links are mentioned in the description. Once again, a pleasure having you on, folks. See you midweek. Bye-bye. Thanks, Samuel, and see you guys soon. Bye-bye.
Vermont is a state of endless adventure. Whether from a mountaintop, a secluded lake, a vibrant downtown, or in the music that reverberates through its hills. Knowing we can't all be together in this moment, Vermont tourism is bringing the spirit of the state to you. Introducing Forever Green, a Vermont adventure in music, bringing local bands and national artists with an affinity for the Green Mountain State directly to you. Join Taj Mahal, Susan Tedeschi, and Derek Trucks, Grace Potter, Lucius, Twiddle, Noah Kahan, Nico Case, and many more. The adventure kicks off December 26th and continues into 2021 with five episodes all streamed live. For the full lineup and dates, head to forevergreenvt.com. Let Vermont be your holiday season soundtrack, your opera ski jam session, or the relaxing vibe your downtime deserves. That's forevergreenvt.com.